Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And uh, Courtney, before games, I like to do a little article that is a position-by-position matchup. Which side has the advantage, who the key players are, and so forth. So I figured we could do the audio version today, if that's good with you. That's perfect. All right, let's start with uh, quarterback. I don't know if anything has been said about the quarterbacks this week. But uh, I think the clear advantage goes to Drew Brees. But my question about this position is just how much do we trust Case Keenum in this atmosphere, in this situation, in the biggest game of the year, in the biggest game of Mike Zimmer's career? Yeah, and I think that that's a legitimate question because you take a look at the whole divisional matchup slate this week. You know, it's pitting quarterback experience with the likes of Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan against guys like Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, Marcus Mariota. Um, I think it's the stat I read is Brady has five Super Bowl rings, which is more career playoff starts than Keenum, Bortles, um, Mariota, and um, who am I forgetting? There's four quarterbacks. Keenum, Bortles, and Foles have combined. Nuts. Foles is the easiest one by far to forget that exists. <laughs> <laughs> They've had two weeks. I mean, I don't necessarily think that they're just going to lay over and die on Sunday. I'm actually really looking forward to how that slate matches up because the Vikings could know, you know, they will know one way or the other heading into their game whether they are going to either be going on the road or whether they have a chance to host the NFC Championship, which I kind of feel like that mentality is already there. Like, knowing everybody's really written off Philadelphia. So it might actually be more of a blow if they don't have that. Like if they know that they are either way, they're going on the road. Who do you think is the better matchup for the Vikings? Would it be to face the Eagles on the road? I, I think it would. I'll, I'll just take I th- Yeah, I I'll think I don't Foles. think you're going to get. Yeah, I would take that over Matt Ryan. Right. Like, Even if you make Matt Ryan come here, I yeah. would still say give me Nick Foles. Yeah, I don't want you don't want to face Julio Jones again. Every time I say his name, I think, is that actually his name? Is it Nick? Is it Brad? Tony? It's, it's Nick, right? It's Nick, yeah. <laughs> well, just like me with Brett Hundley, calling him Nick Hundley, the backup catcher for <laughs> right. the Padres, yeah. like two weeks ago. Just every time I say it, I think, is that, is that really who he is? What does this guy do now? He had that one little sort of run of greatness for one season, and then 
uh, here we are with Nick Foles having to start a playoff game without uh, Carson Wentz. So we're on the same page with that. Sure. And also I assume we're on the same page at looking at Drew Brees as if he could mitigate any advantage that the Vikings have being at home and having the number one defense because he's just that good. I mean, look at what the pa- look at what the Panthers did to him last week when they say, okay, we're going to make this run game ineffective because we want you to beat us. And what happens there is Breeze has a career playoff game, um, surgical precision. Some of the thi- some of the shots he was taking, and just you know how tight those windows were, and that quick release. I mean, it's. I really think you saw the full slate of what makes Drew Brees a Hall of Famer last week, um, you know, all in one game. And, you know, it's a week shy of him. He turns 39 on Monday, and he's just getting better with time, which is why, I mean, for another podcast, we can definitely debate who's the real GOAT between Brees. Put your Super Bowl ring wins aside because he had bad defenses the last few years. Um, who's, who's the real MVP between the two of those guys? Because, I mean – they're both around the same age, and I think what Breeze is doing now is nothing shy of heroic and, and, and really, you know, in the prime of his career, kind of a second prime almost. You take a look at the Super Bowl year um, and some of the other seasons, like he's having very similar numbers. And, you know, the, the Panthers made the Panthers made their – they made their bed and they had to lie in it and it probably doesn't feel great. It's uh, amazing the consistency that he has. I mean, almost every other quarterback – goes up and down with their statistics, and then there's these two or three guys that just don't. And Breeze, he throws for 4,300 yards. His touchdowns were down because they handed off in the red zone a lot more this year. But it's always up toward the very top in yards, very top in touchdowns. Maybe some of that is inflated because they were playing from behind or with historically bad defenses. But to do that year after year after year for a decade – it does put him up there in terms of the all-time quarterbacks. And one more Super Bowl ring for him, I think, would have him square in the conversation for the best ever, right there with Manning and right there with Brady and then on down to your Elways and Montanas. Uh, He probably needs that one more Super Bowl to get that sort of treatment, whether that's fair or not. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves that he deserves to be there, especially his playoff numbers are better than Tom Brady when you look at quarterback rating and yards per game, touchdown interception radio ratio, better than Brady pretty much across the board. But if he doesn't win another one, it's going to be harder to make that argument, I, I think, for people. But an easy Hall of Famer and someone who could pick apart the number one defense if he's on that day. Uh, but I think in this game, moving to the running backs, they matter a ton for both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And starting with the Vikings... If they if they can get Latavius Murray going against the Saints defense, I think Case Keenum will be able to have a very efficient day. Yeah, and I mean that's so much of that comes down to the offensive line and how they're going to be able to handle that pass rush. Which, um, excuse me, I was being able to handle the pressure that they get there and the pass rush, which we, I know we'll get to with Cam Jordan versus for doing the positional breakdown with uh, Everson Griffin because that could honestly be voting day essentially for defensive player of the year but back to running backs I mean it's so important for 
Murray to establish that run early because the the explosive plays that we saw a few weeks ago with the screen game and you know his his big twenty eight yard pickup there against the Bengals. I mean, those are the plays they've been missing in the last two games um, because they didn't really have a lot even still like dating back to the Cincinnati game. So that all starts with him, Um, and I think that how explosive he can be. They really haven't seen it all that much this year, but there's been flashes of it. I think you've seen it more with Jarek McKinnon for sure. Um, Those two are going to be such an important part of this game plan because, you know, we – we don't know how they will react to the Saints defense just because we haven't seen what that run defense looks like against those two because they haven't had to – I mean, I believe – didn't Cook only have one catch in that – or no, he dropped the pass. Like yeah. um, McKinnon, I think, played the bigger role yeah. in the passing game. And so – to ha- but to have two versatile backs like that, like basically like defending against yourself essentially with Kamara and um, Ingram mm-hmm. – that's going to be a really tough test, I think, for that defense. It's that to me is the biggest unknown among any of the position groups of like how they will respond to you know that type of situation. And, and one of the things we've seen in wins for the Vikings is they'll have whole drives where it's basically Latavius Murray. Yeah, like, I mean the Detroit game, I believe it Detroit happened. Detroit and uh, um, Atlanta for sure mm-hmm. was another one, and then uh, Chicago, the first drive. Uh, that that they had, they basically handed it to Latavius Murray and let him plow all the way down the field. And not only does that wear down the defense, I think it's demoralizing for them. It also forces them to really respect the the play action where Case Keenum kills is, people. Is, yeah, he really does. And uh, so I, I would almost argue that Latavius Murray might be the most important person in this entire game for the Vikings because of the domino effect that happens when he has success. Uh, on the other side, um, Elvin Kamara was a, a guy that I looked at a lot at Tennessee and was totally baffled at why his numbers weren't bigger or, or he didn't get more usage at Tennessee. Because his coach was Butch Jones. I mean, that has to be it because his tape was phenomenal and it was supposed to be a, a all-time great running back draft, and it was, as we saw with Delvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. And, and he's gone from a guy that was number three on their depth chart with Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram to now probably the most dangerous player on the field on either side. Yeah. I mean, week six, since week six, he averaged like 7.2, 7.8 yards per touch since that point. I mean, it took them a while to figure out what the heck they were going to do with Adrian Peterson. And I think Drew Brees really admitted to that, you know, kind of being under pressure, trying to find a role for this guy, and that hindered Kamara early. Um, this would have been, had they started out the season with a two-back system, This he he would have had over 1,000 yards by now. There's no question. Rushing. And he probably would have had, um, you know, I think they, he probably would have gone more than 1,500 uh, yards from scrimmage. Uh it just took a while. And, you know, he's so versatile there where I think, you know, for sure in the run game that they have the advantage just with, you know, yards. They've got 700 more yards combined uh, than both McKinnon and Murray from, uh, you know, in terms of the run, in terms of uh, overall, you know, total yards from scrimmage. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think he would have caught up to that at some point. And, you know, he and Dalvin Cook – you can probably draw a lot of similarities, not in terms of necessarily like style 
of you know the way that they run and in, in situational stuff, but very similar skill sets. It would have been nice to see both of them get a chance to you know be in this position together, where it really would have been a running back duel of like head-to-head guys. Yeah, as good as the Vikings' attack was on on the ground and using both Murray but mostly McKinnon uh, through the passing game, you do wonder the pace that Delvin Cook was on. Would he have led the NFL in rushing? I mean, it seems like that's a very good possibility. Um, Or maybe they would have spread it around more as the season went along, but he was the centerpiece of the offense through those first four weeks of the season. And then when he went down, they kind of had to start spreading it out uh, a little bit more. Um, And and you wonder if he would have been right up there with rookie of the year, because it's going to go to Kamara, but... Delvin would have been right in that conversation. Yeah, because for a while, Kareem Hunt was the only one leading him. Kamara was, didn't as I said, didn't start picking things up until week six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Ingram, most underrated player maybe in the entire NFL? Yeah, I mean, like, it's so quiet the last few years. And then, you know, he explodes this year. Um, I, he obviously hit... 1500 yards first is that that's right like before um for both of them having that in the same season Mm -hmm. so he kind of led the way and I just think that you know he's had such a quiet career to begin with where he's never been what I mean of course he's been productive but he's never been like this highly touted running back um but the system that he's in there in New Orleans allows for that two-headed monster essentially and where you know I don't think you could have gotten it more right than bringing a guy like Kamara in to balance out his skill set. Yeah, with Ingram, he just he does a little bit of everything and nothing spectacularly well, so he's not going to end up on the cover of Madden because he's putting up these monster fantasy numbers, but he always ends up with 1,000 yards rushing, mm-hmm. 50 or 60 catches, efficient in, in terms of his yards per touch, and yet he's never been thought of as as really a star player, but always good. And you think about the difference between last year and this year, he was sharing time with Tim Hightower, Mm -hmm. who is he in the league? Like just, just a guy. And then now he's got Kamara. I think that makes him even better. Kamara or Kamara? Kamara. Cause I've been, I I was going back and forth in it, but everybody I've heard, I've listened specifically to, you know, sports center, things like that this week. Kamara. I think they asked him, at draft time and he wasn't sure like of his own name and he basically said say it however you want but uh anyway i think he helps out um ingram quite a bit being and going back and forth that's become the center of their offense where in the in the past it was just drew Brees, you've got to throw it down the field but now he gets the ball out a lot quicker which the vikings did a, a pretty decent job of stopping those two in the passing game in week one ingram had five catches um but I think that that challenge is harder now that uh, Kamara knows exactly who he is in the offense. Wide receiver slash tight ends. Um, I saw a graphic. I don't know if it's from your network or if it was from NFL network where they were ranking, uh, giving the advantage to either side. Oh, do we agree that um, the Saints have the advantage of the running backs? Yes. But I do think in terms of, well, overall, overarching, Vikings may have a better advantage, they'll be they have the best run defense. And I think that, you know, as you've pointed out um, before, I mean, they haven't had problems stopping pass-catching running backs. Uh, you know, from obviously Kamara really wasn't tested much in that area, but uh, Todd Gurley, uh, Duke, McCaffrey, w- yeah, yep. Duke Johnson, um, McCaffrey, as you mentioned. I mean, Poor Duke Johnson. Yeah. Good, I mean, Devontae Freeman kind of too. Like, that's kind of yeah. underrated. Like, yeah. you know – he didn't do anything. Um, so 
that that is one advantage that they have where they could potentially make that running group a little bit more one-dimensional. That's a that's a very good point, that the defense, in terms of stopping the running backs for the Vikings, much better than New Orleans, who was toward the bottom of the league mm-hmm. in yards per carry allowed. Uh, on, on the weapons side from the receivers and tight ends, uh, I mean, I would give a, a pretty big advantage to the Vikings outside of one guy, Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. and his matchup with Xavier Rhodes is going to be fantastic. Oh, it's great. I mean, 45, he's held to 45 yards, five catches that first game. And he wasn't even, I mean, Rhodes has always been good, but it's like you're facing him at his pinnacle of the season. Like you were facing him just as he was getting started with this whole Rhodes close thing. I know that that was like before, obviously, this year, but for really, he took the Rhodes close thing to another level this year because that parlayed him into what he did against Antonio Brown and then what he did against Mike Evans. And then, um, after Julio Jones. Julio Jones. And I'm trying to think, like, there really wasn't, they lost the game in. AJ Detroit. Green was another one. Yeah. So, uh, Detroit was the only one that he didn't have neither game. Um, was the only game, was the only team mm. that has thrown him fits, but. I'm really looking forward to that matchup just because I think that some of the throws that were made to Michael Thomas last week were just so spectacular. You're like, holy moly, how can anyone defend that? Um, this is going to be a huge test for for uh, Breeze this week and for Rhodes I, just to be able to, you know, kind of outduel each other there because that's, you know, everybody's ex- – I don't, I don't think people are expecting this to be another 45-yard, five-catch game given they just played last week, they may be riding whatever momentum into this, and that Michael Thomas has faced some good corners Mm -hmm. in the league since week one. Um, But I still give the advantage to Rhodes there. Well, the the reason I I think with Michael Thomas that he and Breeze work so well together is that even when Thomas is covered, he can make plays. Mm -hmm. He's just so, so good with the hands and the strength. I think going back to the combine, he was one of the strongest receivers uh, in the combine, so you can see that, and uh, you know Breeze can put it wherever he needs it, and and that's the frustrating thing I imagine if you're a cornerback trying to go up against him is that even when you've got him covered perfectly, he can still make catches, and we saw Antonio Brown do that at least once against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. One of the catches that he had against Xavier Rhodes was how did he catch that? And that and that, that Michael Thomas does that same sort of thing. But I I too give the advantage a little bit to Rhodes because he's so fast for his size. And Thomas is not the fastest wide receiver out there. And with considering that Rhodes is has the length, he has the jumping ability, he's got the strength, and then he's faster than his wide receiver, um, I, I think he's got a great chance at, at shutting him down again. Outside of Michael Thomas, there isn't a lot to Mm-mm. really write home about, except all of a sudden Ted Ginn can play again last week. He's 32. 31 so i mean how old are we not at i'm not at that old yet but like i mean no it doesn't feel like just i feel like i was watching him yeah at ohio state like five minutes ago like that was that was a great team by the way i still feel like he's got potential like was he part of the whole like tattoo for sale or maybe thing what are you like little memorabilia things for tattoo sales yeah i'm gonna ask him about it this weekend yeah okay that's i'm just gonna find him before the game during warm-ups hey did you get jim trestle fired (laughs) Were you part of that? No, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think anybody expected. Um, he's kind of one of those guys who's fallen through the cracks in the league, though. I mean, I wouldn't s- compare it to Mark Ingram, but very quiet. Like, I mean, he's kind of exploded here, been in a really good situation where, um, as you said, they don't have a lot of depth. 
like at that position and you know for where they can line him up I think that they've got some really good you know matchups this season where they've exploited that and in terms of matchups to watch um, him against Trey Wayne's mm-hmm. is going to be a fascinating one because one of the narratives of the entire Viking season is hey Trey Wayne's is good now but that's going to be tested a lot more by Drew Brees as he did in week one than it would be by Andy Dalton the, the difference is, I think where we've seen really good quarterbacks take advantage of Trey Waynes, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Breeze. First four is, weeks of the season. Yeah, is, is they're, not, they're not afraid to throw it toward him even when he's running with his wide receiver. Where bad quarterbacks see him running right with his wide receiver and say, ah, I can't throw it there. I think the, the, uh, the great quarterbacks say, oh, I can make that play and he won't get his head around. And that's been kind of his big issue for his entire career. Yeah, and I mean, but he's fast. Like, Very fast. I think that's one thing that we've seen this year really kind of come into its own among his skill sets because he's he's getting more instinctual. And as you said, flip it's hard. Like, Breeze is one of those guys who can make corners. I mean, he's either the receiver who makes your corner flip his head around, um, or it's or it's the um, or it's the quarterback. So, I mean. Really good quarterbacks can do that, and I think that that's one area where he's gotten a lot better. Um, you're not seeing him kind of rely on that as much to know where the ball is and know when he has to anticipate going up for it and trying to break up a pass. Um, I think back to like, and I and I also think too. I mean, we knew he was good against the run. Like, you know, I have to go draw up his numbers for what he did week one against the run. But I mean, that Carolina game outside for like one play, you know, he stopped Cam at the goal line. Granted, that was a touchdown the next play or whatever, but he's the one who chased him down. And um, I think this is really the only only things going up from here for Trey Waynes and just how where his ceiling's at right now. And his tackling has just gone through the roof. From we knew, but we year. knew he could do that. Like we knew he was probably the best run stopping corner in the league or at least you know his run stopping percentage like first eight weeks in was off the charts so it was like that point you're like wait a second maybe he's not a bust maybe he's not all these things that he's been labeled as kind of unfairly um and it's like there's a progression here like Rhodes. first it comes stopping the run then it comes the pbus then it comes the interceptions and then they won't throw your way right yeah and toward the end of the season we saw his numbers in terms of targets start to go down Mm -hmm. that at one point in the season, he's the most targeted guy in the NFL. And then that started to slip as the season went along as, as teams weren't targeting him as much on the Viking side. um, Adam Thielen went to Mankato. Just like to let everyone know that if you didn't know that Adam Thielen is that, is that a D two school? I believe it is. Yeah. He's actually from Minnesota. Did you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, is, uh... hopefully the broadcast includes some type of graphic to let everyone know at home that he's a local player. Do you think there will be a picture <laughs> of him in a Randy Moss jersey from Halloween in 1998 <laughs> or however old he was then? Uh, I would put very high odds on that happening. Well, we know how good Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are. Yeah. Here's a here's a statistic for you. Uh, when Case Keenum was targeting Stephon Diggs this year, he had a quarterback rating of 116.2. It's pretty pretty good. good. So we know they're good, though. We talk about that all the time. But the, the key, though, I think for the Vikings group of weapons is the tight ends because they're going to have to block with the edge rushers, especially Cameron Jordan. And 
Kyle Rudolph being healthy or more healthy now, I think, is a big factor in this game. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, with that's like the one area of their defense they've been really consistent with, um, with the guys that they line up on tight ends. No tight end outside of Greg Olson last week has had more than like 30-ish yards. They've averaged right around 30 yards a game. Um, and that's just one area that they've been really good. And, and I asked Rudolph about that earlier this week, and he was mentioning, you know, well, a lot of it's blocking. It's not just getting downfield and trying to get open or, you know, doing that in the red zone, which is one thing they've kind of missed since he has been hindered the last few weeks. But, um, you know, that's going to be an important – I mean, the play-action game, like that's kind of where it comes from. Like especially I remember like asking David Morgan about that um, and why they've been so successful. And those two have been big in helping that, that type of stuff develop. A clear advantage for the Vikings in my mind here with the wide receivers and tight ends. Oh, yeah. The, the sheer numbers. The graphic that was being passed around on Twitter.com was showing whoever it was from whatever show, whether it was ESPN or NFL Network, giving the advantage to the Saints on wide receivers. And I just can't see that outside of one player. Do they, yeah, do they not know the numbers for both? Was 155 catches combined? Mm hmm. And um, I mean, look at, I mean, I know there's not much you really can pull from week one except stuff schematically, but. Two touchdowns for Diggs, mm-hmm. 157 yards receiving for Thielen. I mean, that 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 was the that was the story of the season for him, and uh, I think that that's you can't look. I don't know how you look past that. Yeah, that's not unusual at all for them either to have a game <laughs> no. like that. Uh, both of them is he both of them can get theirs in the same game. That's where it all started, New Orleans. The offensive lines. Um, have you? gotten any indication from anyone anywhere what the Vikings offensive line is going to look like no but I can make my own guess I want to make my guess who goes first here okay. should we say it at the same time uh no you can go first okay I think we've talked about this but um I've kind of come to the conclusion that Jeremiah Searles would be better fit as a reserve player because just because of his versatility and it's no slight on him uh for the job he did at left guard the last two games but I think you have the potential, and I mean, we saw Joe Berger taking some snaps. Um, very, I mean, some, he was at least not taking snaps. He was working out at the left guard position in practice this week. So I could see it going from left to right. Reef, Berger, put Pat back in the middle at center. He's healthy. Um, and then keeping Remmers at right guard and then having keeping – Hill at right tackle. I think Hill should be your starting right tackle, personally, but um, maybe that's a stretch. No, I agree. Uh, no, I, I, that is exactly the direction I was going to go. I feel the same way about Searles, that he's much better as a just-in-case player. He's that, a really good just-in-case yeah, player. The, like, the, the he's most, been better this year than he went all those games he had to start because of all the injuries at tackle last year. Uh, but you've got your most talent on the field, I think, um, if you have Hill starting at right tackle – who is, I think, a borderline starting-level player mm-hmm. like in the NFL, which is an amazing jump from being a guy who was on Jacksonville's practice squad to all of a sudden here has a chance potentially to start in a playoff game. I agree with you there. Um, the Saints' offensive line is pretty good, too, especially at the tackle positions. Everybody's missed a game, though. It's, they, that's like the one area where they – match up with the Vikings, I guess, best, that they have had multiple combinations. This will be the eighth starting combination of starting linemen for the Vikings. I mean, every starter on that Saints offensive line has missed a game at minimum. And they're going to be without Andrus Pete in this Mm -hmm. game. Who do you think has the advantage? 
Is there one? You could say there's not one. I don't know if there is one because I th- I still think that the that the Saints defensive line, like they sacked Cam Newton four times last week. Um, that's you know the pa- the pass rush for both of these teams I think is really good. Um, I guess you could give the slight advantage to Minnesota just because of statistical numbers and looking at where you know that part of their defense has been you know more star power there I'm not going to say Linville I'm not going to compare anybody to Linville Joseph in the middle but his terms on the edge um they might be about equal but maybe you give the advantage to um Minnesota just because you know both of the bookends with Hunter and Griffin I think are probably a faster duo is one of the reasons why I like this matchup so much, Saints you just don't Vikings. Know. Right. In so many positions, you can go through and say, okay, maybe there's an edge, but it's not a big one. Mm-hmm. And with, I mean, Griffin and Cameron Jordan, you have basically two of the best five players at their position in the entire league. And it's not like the interior players for the Saints are a bunch of bums, but maybe Joseph is, is a little better. We'll get to the defensive line in a second. Um, but I think that it's, I think it's an even offensive line versus offensive line. Both are a little dinged up, but both are quite good. And I think the saints are second in adjusted sack rate, the Mm -hmm. football outsider statistic, and the Vikings are right behind them. So neither team is letting their quarterback get hit a whole lot, especially at us bank stadium. Like that's one area. And I realized I completely hijacked the conversation there and went straight from offensive line to defensive line. It's allowed. (laughs) Apologies. It's been a long week. The only thing I worry about there is just with the amount of injuries that they've, the Vikings have had. And then you do another shift Mm -hmm. that it just could be a tough day. It just could be a tough day to keep Case Keenum protected back there in the pocket where he may have to scramble a little bit more, which you know, he can do It's fine with that. But, um, you know, the sack numbers at U.S. Bank Stadium on both sides, offensively and defensively, have been very low. And, um, well, low meaning, sorry, it was uh, probably a bad way to phrase it. Good. But good. Yes. Like, you know, because they haven't really allowed a lot of sacks, and they've sacked quarterbacks and, you know, killed guys' passer ratings, you know, at their home field. Mm-hmm. Uh, third in the league third, in yeah. home sacks, I think, 24. 74 passer rating about on average. Yeah, like that. It, it, the the home field advantage we were talking about breeze a lot, and if there's anything that can take the edge off of his greatness, it's probably that home field advantage. And a lot of that starts with the pass rush. So, I mean, you talked about player to player on the defensive line, how these two match up. A lot of talent. I would give the edge to the Vikings because of Linval Joseph and the Vikings' excellent numbers against the run. I think I'll start with the man in the middle. And Tom Johnson, we talk about underrated players with uh, Mark Ingram. Tom Johnson goes right into that same category as guy who does not get a whole lot of recognition and probably deserves it after this year. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Just want to let everyone know about the Purple Podcast Big Game Special Edition powered by Sprint. Courtney Judd and I will be talking about all things associated with the big game. We'd like to thank Sprint for their partnership with the Special Edition Podcast. Visit a local Sprint store today. Sprint, it works for me. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Um, how they crafted this defense is nothing shy of really good preparation and knowing what they wanted out of those guys. And, you know, Johnson kind of an undersized guy at that tackle position, but 
Zimmer Zimmer like has been so fond of him since like day one and wanted him and he's just so perfect to plug in there and I think with the other defensive tackles too um Shamar Steven I don't know if it was we talk about the injury report yet he's not on the injury report as the only person that's on there it's questionable is Terrence Newman Mm -hmm. so I think that that helps your rotation too when you get a guy like that back because you know depending upon how many snaps and how you're gonna split that up um, you know, on passing downs too, gives you that advantage. And I think that Johnson, you know, obviously leads the way there because you are seeing, I mean, Linville Joseph goes off the field a bunch of times on third down because it's just, you know, with the, with their, you know, pass rush packages that they have to install. Um, but yeah, no, I think that they have, I think for all those reasons they have, you know, not even talking about like the edge rushers, they do have the advantage because I think the interior is really fast. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean with with both sides, um, they have a number of different players who can impact the game. Um, probably Daniil Hunter is a, is another guy that does give the edge to the Vikings mm-hmm. with the fact that you can't just double Everson Griffin gotta because you're going to end up too. leaving Daniil Hunter one on one the whole day. So you've got to find different ways to do that. You can also line Daniil up. I know that he usually plays on the left side, but you can line him up a bunch of places. They did that against Washington, uh, Washington, and right and Detroit too. I think they they switched him in and out a little bit there too. Early, yeah, early on in that game. So they can do a lot of different things. And Brian Robinson, he'll offer that uh, that too, where you can bring him in in a pass rushing situation, have him line up over a guard, which is a mismatch because of his quickness. Even at his age, he's still uh, got enough quickness mm-hmm. to, to get after the passer. So I think it's a slight edge to the Vikings, but not a huge one. Um, just instead of just linebackers, just the rest of them. Yeah, <laughs> the, the back else. seven. The back se- If we want to sound football-y, the back seven. Um, this, this is where I think the Vikings may have their biggest edge, even though Marshawn Lattimore is a great player. The Vikings back seven, linebackers, Harrison Smith, you know the players, have just been incredible this entire season. And while New Orleans has been good in that area, I think the linebackers might be the place that the Vikings can take some advantage of. Yeah, because, I mean, the guys for New Orleans, like, secondary to secondary, if you were just looking at DBs, like, I think that that's – you could probably find ways to draw a more even matchup. Linebackers, it's no question. Mm-hmm. Like Anthony Barr is playing at it like just an elite level, and I think the the combination of him and Eric Kendricks, they don't have a duo like that amongst their guys where they can send them in on blitz packages or they can you know drop back into coverage. Um, and obviously with Harrison Smith, nobody has a Harrison Smith. Right. Not even the Pro Bowl has a Harrison Smith. <laughs> so he was too good for the Pro Bowl. That was what they, that was the the actual reasoning. They put out a press release. Oh, they said Harrison I must have Smith, missed that. Yeah. Well, it is funny though. Like since the Pro Bowl voting, then Harrison goes out and has incredible games, <laughs> and then you know now he actually is starting to get to be part of that conversation where you see national analysts bringing that up that he could be Defensive Player of the Year. That's where there's a big edge for me too. No matter how good New Orleans safeties are, they're not Harrison Smith. And I agree with Anthony Barr. I think at the beginning of the season, we may have said, if Anthony Barr plays the way he did in week one against Mm -hmm. the Saints, this defense will be number one in the league. And he did. 
for the entire season. Yeah, I mean, he's been awesome. And back to his 2015 self, um, third Pro Bowl. And it's it's nice to see, too, because I think that he really did flip the switch because he's almost like playing with a different sense of urgency, mm-hmm. as cliche as that sounds. No, I mean, I agree. he looks he looked really good against the Bears. Cause, and, and, I mean, I think that you saw it, you know, you could even pull the Green Bay game, just how quickly he got out and got after the quarterback and ended the quarterback. But, I mean, you're seeing him drop into a different level this year um, just by the how he can help with the pass rush and how he can do so many different things across the board. And that's a, been a major part of shutting down the running backs. He had a, a play that he blew up. From Kamara in week one, a six-yard loss. I think it was on a third down, too. And then Le'Veon Bell, they slowed him down for the most part uh, against Pittsburgh. And uh, Barr had a spectacular game that that day, too. So rushing to the ball has been a a huge, huge thing for him. How good do you think Lattimore is? And who would you put him on? Would you put him on Diggs or Thielen? I think he's very good. To start out, I think he's very good. Leads the leads all rookies with five interceptions. He and Marcus Williams are a, just a different breed. Um, it's amazing that your rookies are really what turned around your pass defense from, you know, what a thousand yards you gave up in in the first two weeks of the season, and you know to come back and defensive efficiency wise, I saw a stat where you know where they're at right now is nineteenth in in the NFL, but the last three seasons they were like dead last. And their um, quarterback rating against, I think, it was seventh because yes, of all the interceptions, exactly. like you mentioned with Lattimore. And, you know, there's nothing shy of remarkable with what they've done in, ter- in turning that around. Um, I would put a guy like Lattimore probably on Diggs, speed matchup maybe there, but you also can't forget that Thielen's fast too. So um, that's where I would start him. But the thing is you can't – you can't shadow guys. Like if you're the, if you're a team trying to go after the Vikings, you can't do it because like what Thielen lines up in the slot fifty ish, fifty three percent ish percent of the time. But then you can also flank him outside, and you can flank him, you know, over, you know, just a lot of different, a lot of different matchups there that create troublesome uh, matchups for for defensive players for corners. And just give Pat Shermer a head coaching job for that alone. The fact yeah. that he spotted Thielen as a guy who would have that much success in the slot when he doesn't really profile as a traditional slot receiver. You usually think of a guy like Diggs who's undersized and quick. And in, instead he's, I mean, Thielen is fast, but he's big. Yeah. And usually those guys are not your slot receivers, but slot are usually short, shorter receivers. Like right. that's prototype and your ex is somebody who's a little bit bigger. Breaking the prototype there, Pat Shermer, uh, future Arizona Cardinals head coach, um, maybe. He, he didn't really want to talk about it the other day. Fair, I, I, can't blame, I can't blame him. I mean, he, he answered one question about it, as you expected. What do you want him to do, like sit you down and be like, we went to this really nice steakhouse, and they bought a bottle of wine. He and puts all this on stuff. a Cardinals hat. Yeah, just like, and they're like all right, deuces, I'm, I'm out. going to Arizona. See you guys. He's like, Case is coming with me, too, right now. Yeah. Like a, Good luck this weekend. Like the college coaches who just, you know, they jet before the bowl game. Forget you guys. I'm taking my big job now, wherever. Um, anywho. Anywho. Who, do, uh, who are you picking? I have the Vikings. Oh, you do? I do. Close? 25-20. That's okay. what I put my prediction. Um, 
I wanted to say it wouldn't be as high scoring as like 29-19 and that, because I don't honestly believe that Keenum has to score 30 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also, Breeze is kind of in a stage now, too, where he doesn't have to score 30 points to win a game. Um, I think a five-point margin is kind of, is it, close enough, like, for both of them. Uh, let's hope it doesn't come down to a field goal. That was my early initial pick, and I think people hated me for it. So I was of like, course. well, I don't want to, like, you know, get hurt this weekend. So, um, yeah, like, let's let's keep it at that. I think that I'm going to pick the Saints. Okay. And, it, it's a and fair I, pick. I think that of any team remaining in the NFC, they could they, – I would pick them if, if it's – looking at any other of the four teams, they would be Super Bowl bound. And, and that's the – from the podcast that we did leading up to last week – we were talking about who do you want to face? Who do you want to face? It's definitely not this team. It's definitely <laughs> not the Saints, right? And um, I would not go by any more than five points, any more than one score. I mean, it, this is a spectacular matchup that I am super excited to watch, and I think is just the perfect heavyweight fight. I tend to give the slight edge to Breeze, but if there's any defense in the NFL that can shut down Drew Breeze and beat him, it's this one. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know. I mean, we just usually do this where we pick a team, but I have no clue in this matchup because it is so close. I just, it, the Hall of Fame quarterback, I, I can't get over that part of it. But if the Vikings beat the Saints, and even if they beat them handily, I wouldn't be that surprised because of how stacked this team is and how good of a coach Mike Zimmer is, you know, how great of a defense they have, none of those things would surprise me. Not at all. And I think why you, why I'm with you on that, why it's so hard to pick this game, um, I mean, you could go either way. It could be Vikings 25-20 or it could be Saints 25-20. With Drew Brees and those, like, comebacks that he's had and some of those, like, late-game rallies – those are those are the things I think when you talk about playoff experience that sets you apart. Um, that that's where play those moments are where playoff experience comes into play. Not necessarily oh I have twelve career starts. Well, what did you do in those twelve career starts? Drew Brees has thrown for four thousand career postseason yards in a seven and five record with the win last week. So. They make it tough on him because he has to do it in someone else's building if he wants to get to the Super Bowl. He has to get by the number one defense in the NFL. Um, I think where, obviously, you'll see that hurt is on third down. Um, I don't think we talk about enough what they did capping off the regular season with, like, the best, um, you know, defensive third down. How do I say this? Defensive third down conversion percentage? Sure. People know what you mean. Okay. Best defense on third down. Best defense on third down. I don't know why that was so hard. Um but, yeah, I mean, that's an area where, you know, it's. I think that's where you're really going to see Breeze tested more than he's been tested this season. And uh, for him, one of the best in the league in terms of yards per attempt on third and long. Mm-hmm. And interestingly for the Vikings, their biggest weakness is third and long. On third and short, they're one of the best. But on third and long, Case Keenum was at the very bottom of the league with Jay Cutler for quarterbacks who were the worst on third and long, basically when you force him. He was trying to run. (laughs) Yeah, and also, but like you're forcing him to make a throw at that point, like a big-time throw on third and long, and a lot of times that's not really his strength Mm -hmm. for this offense. And whereas Drew Brees, as you've seen a lifetime of him making big-time throws, 
that's what it, it comes down to. And that's why I still think that Murray is at the very top of the list for the most important players here. But um, yeah, it's one where you can't really pick because it is such an even matchup and I can't wait. I'm pumped. I'm actually really excited about this game because I think the winner of this game goes to the Super Bowl. I think so too. Like not, not saying that like Atlanta can't get past um, the Eagles or vice versa and everything else there that they couldn't win the NFC championship. But I just think with the strengths of these teams, they don't even compare to the other game that's coming up before theirs. Yeah, I agree. I think this, this feels like an NFC championship game Mm -hmm. for the Vikings. So we will see what happens and we will be there to purple podcast it all to you friends. And thank you all for listening to this wild week of purple podcasting where we broke down every single position many times. <laughs> That's awesome. People, the people love good content. Well, I, I just love that we have a game that, that matters. Now. I love I that mean, we have a game. I was, I mean, great. I love having like, you know, a little bye week last week, but you we know, I haven't seen a good quarterback in a long time. Yeah. It's been, are you throwing cam in there as a good quarterback? <laughs> Cause I say yeah. we could see week 14, but, um, but it's been Dalton and I mean, Trubisky is coming along, but you know, and, and Brett Hundley was just dreadful to watch play football. He so. tried. He did try, yeah, but it wasn't. Tried four times on fourth down. It's how hard he tried. It wasn't good. So it's been quite some time since we have, A, had football, and B, had a good matchup for the Vikings. So excited for it, and uh, we will be back to break it all down, uh, Judd and I, after the game. So we'll look forward to that then. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.